Gentlemen, to this week's edition of Sports Blogger Radio. I am your host, John Larry, and with me is always Scott. Grab your broom, Balloony. What's up, man? How you feeling about tonight's game? I'm feeling good. I feel like we well, we'll get into it soon, but uh <clears throat> I got a feeling that the brooms are coming out tonight. Ooh, uh, and I right. never I never would have thought we'd be in this position right now, but uh we'll get into that a little later. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm feeling good. Uh we got the brooms in an hour. How's your I'm back doing? To- <laughs> Enough of the old jokes, old young man. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about the Celtics, their off-season moves, their um, potential draft picks, stuff like that and that nature. And, of course, the biggest news around the Boston area, the Boston Bruins, game four against the Pittsburgh Pi- – uh, I almost called them Pirates – the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, so, with that being said, man, let's lead into the uh, – Boston Celtics. First, first of all, I want to say thank goodness the Miami Heat lost last night because <laughs> I just if the Heat would lose the finals, I would be so happy just because I can't stand LeBron James. But um, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, there's your green teamer right there. <laughs> I mean, I, can you blame me though? Like honestly, no, I can't. I can't. I can't blame you at all. And the whole like I don't need to flop thing, and then he's flopping all over the place in the Indiana series. Like I just we could go on and on about that, but um. You know, we 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 were asked a question a while ago about who the Celtics might be looking at uh, in the draft, and uh, we haven't talked about the Celtics in a while, so I thought it'd be a good idea if we could talk about it now. And uh, I think that what we're seeing and what I saw with the uh, Indiana series is that you need a Roy Hibbert type player, like a big man, and the and okay. the Celtics really haven't had that. And I think that that's going to be our our number one concern in the draft. So I did a little research, and I uh, found this guy, Stephen Adams, who is from New Zealand, okay. uh, which is pretty cool. He's 7'0", 255. He's a freshman. He's only 19 pounds, but he worked out with Scalabrini, who called wait, him. Wait, wait. Did you just say he's only 19 pounds? Oh, he's 19 years old. Excuse me. Yeah, like, 255 what? pounds. Getting a little ahead of myself there. No, um, but – Brian Scalabrini, our, our very good friend, the White Mama, described him as a freak athlete and compared him to his former Bulls teammate, Omar Asik. So, I mean, with the team moving from Paul Pierce's team and Kevin Garnett's team to um, Rajon Rondo, Jared Soldier, Jeff Green's team, I think we need a big man. Like, what do you think? Oh, definitely. Um, like you said, 255 pounds, seven feet. This guy, he'll be a good centerman. Um, and I think. Honestly, I think with Paul Pierce, you know, at his age now, uh, depending on a trade or not, I, I don't think, I mean, we'll get into that in a minute, but I think you definitely need to kind of beef up your uh, your talent, your young talent there. Uh, I mean, let's face it, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, getting these guys old. aren't going to be, yeah, they're getting old. They're not going to be around forever. Um, We've been saying for the past three years they're getting old, you know? like I know, I know. And they, you know, they keep saying that they're going to keep, trying and they're going to keep you know writing the ship and stuff like that and i, I mean I, i've stated many times on this show that i think it's about time that we kind of start to move on i mean maybe not so fast but it, it's time to kind of start the wheels in motion here um 
real quick, I just want to uh, I want to shoot out the phone number for anybody that wants to go ahead and call in. 347-237-5373. Give us a call. Let us know what you feel about the Celtics. Um, and also, you know, let us know, you know, if you just want to go ahead and ask us a question, that's fine. Yeah, um, I mean, but like like you said, the, the Paul Pierce thing, that's a big question. But but Stephen Adams from New Zealand, I think, you know, if the white mama says that he's a, you know, this 19-year-old kid has a future, white mama knows best. He, yeah. <laughs> he is one of the best basketball watchers to to ever you know to ever be that experience like because he you know he was a bench player yes I was gonna say are you are you uh, no but having spent time? no but the thing that having spent that much time at the bench like he understands and one of the things that he's so good at or was good at when he did play even though he didn't play much was that he understood the game very well he had a very high basketball IQ which people yeah. don't really know that much but um yeah I wrote I wrote an article when he retired from my school newspaper and you know the guy is wicked smart and. Uh, if he says this guy is good, uh, Stephen Adams, then I think that we should definitely like, or, or at least that's definitely the number one pick uh, that we should go for. He averaged seven point two points and six point three rebounds in his lone NCAA season. But again, he's a freshman, and right. if he does follow in the in the middle of the first round where he's predicted to fall, you know this, that's where the Celtics are probably going to have their pick, or they have their pick. That's a that's a very good option for them, I think. Right, I, I I fully agree. I mean, like I said, why not why not start searching, you know, uh, different places, you know, and see if you can find a um, a diamond in the rough, you know. Um, one thing I wanted to get into, and we kind of talked about it before the show, is the Pierce trade. You, you hearing anything new on that? Uh, is there anything going to happen? Are they just gonna, you know, are they going to put him? Are they going to sit him? What's going on with that? Well, here's what I've I've been thinking. And I've been back and forth with this because I've been saying we should trade Pierce, and I thought maybe we shouldn't trade Pierce. I've been going back and forth. Right. I don't think that it's even a good idea for us to trade Pierce at this point because he's locked up. Like I said, I fully agree. You know what I mean? He's locked up for more. He's locked up for more than he's worth to anyone else in the NBA. To be perfectly honest, you know, if he doesn't, is he if he isn't moved or waived um, after June thirtieth, he's going to be making fifteen point three million dollars. Um, and before June 30th, they have the option of waiving for $5 million, and that's a lot of money. But, you know, it's the trade logic. You know, who's going to take Paul Pierce right now? I'm not exactly sure. And then you also don't want to upset Kevin Garnett because you know that Kevin Garnett's still got some play in him, you know? Right. I, I, you know, the thing about Paul Pierce is it's uh, – you're right. His cap hit's pretty high. Um, if he is going to go to a team – that needs his services. It has to be like a team that's willing to give up um, a good amount. Like we yeah, have, that's the thing. Up, it's, right. it's unrealistic almost because what we need from teams is not what they're going to be willing to give with, with Paul Pierce. And, exactly. you know, last season he had, you know, the fewest minutes per game of his career, 33.4. And in that's a six, the average. Yeah. It, which is not, it's just the fewest of his career right. per game. And, you know, his 10.7 player efficiency rating in the playoffs was like pretty atrocious. So it, at this point, if he wants to relegate his, his star status and, um, you know, start role playing and start, you know, um, come off the bench, which I think would be perfect for him. I want to see him retire in, in Celtic screen. Cause I love the guy. I remember watching him growing up, no, absolutely. But, but the thing is, you know, as of right now, he's not exactly the, the, the team needs to start building around, the younger talent, like you said, they need to start, you know, investing in younger talent. And um, 
you know, I don't think that any of the trades are going to be extremely rewarding for trading away Pierce because we upset Kevin Garnett. You know, it, he's worth, you know, way too much for another team to take. And what we get back probably won't be even be worth the trade because, you right, know, we want exactly. to see him stay with the Celtics. Exactly. I mean, he's got a – obviously, he's got a lot of time, a lot of um, effort invested into the Celtics as well as the opposite way too. You know, the Celtics have a lot of time and, and money invested in him as well. So it it makes a little bit more sense for him to maybe take a back seat, let some of the younger guys take the starting role, and kind of run off into the sunset. You know what I mean? Well, I think that's inevitable at this point. I think that it's inevitable for him to start taking a relegated role because you know, just as we saw last season, he's he's not getting better. Like it's he has his moments where he's the truth, but you know, he's not getting better. Right. So um, I did I did hear some rumbling and um, about a possible maybe free agent target in Greg Oden. Um, you know, you know, he's a former number one pick, you know, overall pick. And, he, you know, he's he would fit pretty good into a Doc Rivers system. Uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, you know, it, this is really interesting. I think that this is extremely low risk and high reward because, you know. That's what, every, that's every, what Boston sports is based on these days. It, low risk, know, high reward. Oden isn't going to command a lot of money in on the open market because of his injuries – because of his history of injuries and he hasn't played a single game since the 2009, 2010 series. And he was drafted back in 2007. So he's got, you know, the equivalent of one full NBA season under his belt and, you know, the surgeries, the injuries, um, he's got bad knees. Is that, is that correct? He's got bad everything at this point. (laughs) He's got bad knees and a bad back. Um, and, uh, you know, this is something pretty interesting. Um, with the, you know, Boston players are getting younger. Like we're starting to transition. This is a very, and there have been reports that he's getting healthier and healthier, which is really encouraging. So, you know, maybe this is someone that, you know, while he's notorious for being injured, like it's, we can get him for pretty cheap, I think. And, um, you know, if we get him for pretty cheap, then if he ends up being what he was supposed to be, like what he was like, you know, number one pick overall. Yeah then that's a tremendous triumph for the Celtics. And that's, you know, if, if we give him an opportunity to play for a prestigious club like the, the Celtics, then, you know. Well, I mean, I mean, in all honesty, if anybody can control minutes and get a guy, you know, maybe back to the way he was, Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers could be the one to do that. I mean, he's got, he's got a pretty good track record of, you know, arranging these guys and their minutes, excuse me, and, you know, getting, getting them good, good to go basically you know i mean they you know he, talk about a coach that went ahead and you know probably had one of the worst seasons in nba history you know and turned it around and won you know won a championship you know the following year so yeah so i, mean, I mean that's that's definitely something like you said that's something that doc rivers could work with definitely i think that's an intriguing kind of rumbling that you heard and uh i mean i think they should jump at the chance to get him because again Low risk, high reward. It's a yeah. good situation for the Celtics to be in. I mean, it's it's it is short money that he would be requiring, and I, I think mean, because no one no one wants that guy. Like no one wants if your if your roster is set, like no one wants a guy who's going to be you know liable for injuries. And if the teams are desperate for someone, and the Celtics are inquiring about him, he's obviously going to go to the Celtics. So, yeah. What do you, well, let me ask you, what do you think, or who do you think the uh, Celtics will go ahead and? Um, either part ways with to possibly get him because I, I know, I know the Celtics are pretty high up on their payroll right now, at least at this moment. 
That's tough. I don't know. I mean, this brings us back to Paul Pierce, but I don't know. So, I mean, Doc Rivers, Danny Ainge, got to work on it. Uh, you know, Paul Pierce, that's what everyone's saying that at least Paul Pierce is gone and that probably Kevin Garnett will go as well. And I don't know if there's any truth to that, but, like, there have been ESPN fan polls and articles all over the place. They're like, oh, these guys are gone. Yeah, so, I don't. Ba- listen, I don't base anything on ESPN with their uh, Miami Heat and Pittsburgh Penguins love affair so yeah well let's not even go into pierre mcguire and and uh nbc <laughs> and the penguins man it's like a we'll, we'll get we'll get we'll get to that point we'll get to that point because <laughs> there's there's a couple of things about some penguin fans that i want to uh want to get off to my chest oh yeah so. yeah i mean let's let's go into penguins right now actually i think that you know i think it's time for us to uh to really dig into what we're talking about right now and that is game four is in about puck drops in about an hour and uh i last week i didn't think we're going to be in this position at all yes well just for anybody that doesn't know we have not talked about games one and two and of course three um being you know on after our show aired last week so we're going to go ahead and touch on all three games at this moment um Game one was was just a phenomenal game by Tuukka Rask. Shut the high-powered offense Pittsburgh Penguins down, and that that says a lot. So it, was like I'm gonna, that, it was like the first time they've been shut out since like last February or something, something absurd like that. And yeah, I'm not too sure. Is it is it Tuukka Rask's first? I'm not, first I don't think it's his first. Play, I don't think it's first playoff shutout. Or it might be. Well, uh, regardless, for a second. But it, I mean, granted, he did it. He did it to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who everybody. That's like a meaningful be- shutout right there. Absolutely, oh, absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, the 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 main trend I saw in Game One and Two, Games One and Two, was that the Penguins adjusted their play for the Bruins. You saw exactly. some very uncharacteristic Penguins. Plays or situations that you really yeah. wouldn't see nine times out of ten. Game one and game two were not how the Penguins wanted to play. They tried to adjust their game plan to the Bruins and play a more physical, rough, and tough well, game style. Which yes, is exactly. Which that, is, and that, you know, it, that's exactly what I mean. Like we've talked about the uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins adjusted their game, like you said, to the Boston Bruins, and Bruins will win that game nine times out of oh, ten. Absolutely. The Bruins the Bruins love playing that game. That's what yeah, they that's, that's what they do best against. They do that's more exactly right. who bring speed and bring offensive talent. If you look at you know, the only times that we let in really bad goals against the Rangers was when they came at us with speed and they had offensive numbers on us and they tried to slow down the game and play physical. You know, when you see Malkin dropping the gloves with Bergeron, like what? And when that, you see, you know, Miss Cindy um, you know, trying to pick a fight with Big Z, like, come that, on, man. I mean, well, let's stop. Let's stop right there for a second. I mean, out of, and I've said this many times, out of all people, why would you, being Sidney Crosby, being the star on your team, being a guy that is, you know, supposed to, you know, tell these guys how to be this and that, you know, he's the captain. Why would you go after the biggest possible guy? on the Boston Bruins. It makes absolutely no sense to me to for Sidney Crosby to be trying to quote unquote poke the bear. It makes no sense. I mean, 
let's face it, if Char wanted to drop, I mean, and I know what Cindy Crosby was doing. He was trying to bait Char into dropping the gloves and stuff like that. And Char is a way smarter player than be like, yeah, all right, you know, because Char knows he was going to knock his head off if he really wanted to. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like you know, the the Sidney Crosby. We're going to go into this later, a little bit later. But you know, bumping into Tukarask, you know, like picking fights with people, like. Again, game one and two, I guess the main theme is that this is stuff that you don't see out of, you know, Pittsburgh. One of the things that you do see out of Pittsburgh is Matt Cook's cheap shot on Adam McQuaid. That is something that you do see. And when he was nominated for the Masterson Trophy for, like, great sportsmanship, and I I, I don't I, – I can't – I don't know how that happened because – Who? Matt Cook? Yeah. Matt Cook was nominated for, for Pittsburgh's Masterson nominee. When? <laughs> uh, during the season, it was this ridiculous. Season? Yeah, this season, and he, there, the the argument was that he's changed his way, and have he the hasn't cheat shots a single bit. He's been the a... cheat, well, the cheat shots have have lessened in frequency, yes, but they have not oh, okay. gone so away. He's, yeah, he's not he's not raising raising his elbow to oh. uh, to oncoming players. Yeah, all he's, right. He's still he's still the same. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. he's still the same. Whatever. Right? <laughs> you know, and you know, I guess. I just things that you don't see when you're down, you know, when you're having a tough game and you're not winning is, you know, you know, your two star guys trying to go after, you know, other star guys and trying to. I, you know, I understand. I mean, I understand that being, you know, trying to be the aggressor and and getting your team pumped up. I get that. And yeah, but you it, could pick your opponents a little more wisely. I think. Well, that's like, that's that's my point, one hundred percent. Like, like, come on. There's no way that anybody would believe that Sidney Crosby was actually serious about fighting Tuka, uh, not Tuka Rask, uh, uh, Zdeno Char. It, 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 come on. If Char had dropped the gloves, that would have been ugly, I'm just saying. but um, Oh, yeah, he would have knocked his head off. But, like, like you but, you know, we outscored in the first two games the Penguins 9-1, to one, which exactly. is... Exactly. Which know. is, well, I mean, I go back to this many times. You know, coming into this series, the Pittsburgh Penguins averaged four goals a game against their opponent, you know? So what's, you know, what's going on? Is it something that the Bruins are, are doing or is it, you know, or is it just Pittsburgh being, you know, just not playing right? That's it's all, it's all about matchups, man. It's all about okay. matchups right now. The Bruins are and Claude and you guys have give Claude Julian uh, Julian credit because he doesn't get enough credit. He's always like the figure of scrutiny and like when oh, people, yeah. when when they were down four one in uh you know the Toronto game seven people were like all right this guy's this guy's yeah yeah exactly they were talking get about fired. How, yeah they figured he was gonna get fired immediately after the game yeah exactly. he has been so good at making sure and he's realized that Sidney Crosby is going through a little funk right now that Bergeron's out. Against Sidney Crosby, you know, Bergeron, a former Selkie uh, Trophy winner, someone who has a great defensive game, who plays great defense, who, uh, you know, his two-way game is phenomenal. He's one of the best in the right. NHL, comparable to, you know, Pavel Datsuk. Um, and he's been really good about putting out Big Z against Malkin. And, um, you know, I think that part of why we were able to stomp on them in games one and two was because they were trying to play a style game that was not conducive to them scoring goals and not playing uh, the way that they have had learned to play. And they were successful with, in, in doing uh, 
in the playoffs before the Bruins series. Um, One of the questions I have, and, you know, do, do you think that the Pittsburgh Penguins took the Bruins too lightly in the first two games? Did they think, oh, you know, we're on home ice, you know, we're the top scoring team in the NHL, you know, we're just going to go ahead and run over these guys? Did you think that they thought that way? Well, game one, they played pretty hard. They they did they did play hard, but they just played it in a way that they're not that they, they shouldn't have played. Game two, they they completely, in my opinion, um, underestimated the offensive ability of the Bruins. Yeah. Because there were so many defensive lapses, and you know, um, in this series, Chris Letang is a minus five with no points, and he's like their big like Vesna yeah, he's candidate. He's their big Vesna candidate defenseman. So, um, you know, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, and I don't think they really bargained for, you know, I don't think they really thought that the Bruins were going to pose any type of will on them. Yeah. You know, I think they, after yeah. they saw how they struggled with Toronto, you know, they're like, all right, these guys are going to be a joke because yep. you can't even be Toronto like, you know, until the last 10 minutes of game seven. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, I think what? that they were completely surprised. I think that. They played their game wrong. I think that game one, they came out and they played hard. I think that game two, they they just thought that, you know, oh, we'll even it up because that's what we do. We're the Penguins. And exactly. And that's what happened. Yeah. But, like, I, I mean, not taking anything away from the uh, Boston Bruins. I mean, they're clearly a really resilient team. I mean, and they've definitely, obviously, definitely, obviously, doesn't make any sense. But they obviously have made um, – it known, you know what I mean? Uh, going back to the... No, they've uh, earned their wins, for sure. Yes. They, they've earned it. Like They, they have. They, they've been playing well, but it's just surprising <clears> after <throat> you see and after you hear all the analysts talk about how, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins are so fantastic at dismantling, you know, other opposing teams' defenses. Right. And, you know, Tuca had, you know, he's been a little... He was a little shaky towards the end of the New York Rangers series. Like, you know, this is... This is happening right now. We're three up against, you know, well, that's, the Penguins. That's a good segue into Game 3 because Game 3, game three was, was awesome. Game 3 was the most intense game. And that honestly, Game 3 was what I really expected from the series. You know, 2-1, uh, 1-0 well, type, type of games. You know what I mean? Because I figured that if any team was going to be able to match up against Pittsburgh Penguins, obviously it would be one of the Bruins. So, you know, because they just, they're just a defensive – you know, minded team. The the greatest thing is is I mean, of course, a lot of people probably lost a lot of sleep that night, including myself. Yeah, me too. Going to double overtime and you know just back and forth, back was, and forth. It was so intense. There was there was I think it was in the first overtime. There was a period where it was just back and forth, and there was just no timeout for a while. I yeah. think it was like yeah. I think it was like like ten straight minutes, which is pretty, which is a long time for a continuous play. Absolutely. Especially, and, especially with the, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, hockey is probably one, it's the most physical sport I've ever seen, you know? But, um, you know, the, the, I think the refs are just kind of like, we're going to let them play. And they played one hell of a game. You know, it, it was a great game. And, you know, the third period of that game was probably our worst period so far in the series. Yeah. We were outshot like 14 to five, or something, <clears throat> that's something ridiculous, but you know, the, it's the legend of Bergeron grows, man. The the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, right now he's he's competing with uh, David Ortiz and uh, and Tom Brady for Mister Clutch here. Yeah, I mean, 
it's unbelievable. You know, he had those two goals in in the game seven, and again, he comes up with the clutch goal. And, and you know, we've seen that play so many times. Whether it's Marshawn to Bergeron or Bergeron to Marshawn, we've right. seen we've seen that play. Well, let's let's take a step back real quick and actually acknowledge uh, Yammer Yager. He's the one who really started that. Yager, he, Yager, Yager had pro- he he had a really good game that day, uh, game three. Um, he got better the later on the game went. It's like he wasn't getting tired. Like, I, I didn't understand it. Like, he Yager's was, a machine. <laughs> he was a machine. That's the thing. Like, his best period was second overtime, without a doubt. He was all mm-hmm. over the place. And in first overtime, I believe he had that that opportunity on net. Um, yep, absolutely. It was, yeah, yeah yep. the, the Yager bomb. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, Michael. Yep, exactly, the Yager bomb. <laughs> but, um, you know, we actually like to say Samuel Adams, Boston, Yaga, because we're more beer guys. At least I am. But um, I, I will not pass down a nice cold cup of uh, Jaeger. So, <laughs> but um, you know, it's it was it was incredible to see. I think that the Bruins played their worst period in the third period. I was like, this is my heart was pounding out of my chest. I was like, oh, absolutely, this I... is so stressful. And you know, we pulled it off. And you know, it's the play that we've seen. The, the chemistry between Marchand and Bergeron, if you told me two years ago that Marchand and Bergeron, not Marchand, I mean, not Bergeron and Sagan would be the top, you know, that would be the top tandem for yeah. that second line, I wouldn't believe you because I like Sagan is so promising. But, you know, I think that Bergeron Marchand is just, their chemistry is unbelievable. Well, and, you can see, I mean, I mean, even if, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if you watched the uh, post game interview with uh, Patrice Bergeron, but he, he said it himself. He knew exactly which way uh, Brad Marchand was going to go. He knew it. He didn't even have to, he didn't have to look at him. He didn't have to, you know, give him some sort of hand signal or anything. He knew exactly which way he was going to go with the puck. And he was there waiting with his stick on the ice to poke it through. And it was, that's, that's it, all he said. That's what he said. He said, I have a stick <clears> on <throat> the ice. I knew where he was going to put it. I just, I just put it on the ice. And that was, you just, that was it. Yeah. And that's, and that is the great, that is, Exactly why, and a lot of people had asked me why do they put you know why did they take Sagan off that line and put Yager on that, that play? Line? That play is exactly that. Why. That's exactly why because those two guys have have the chemistry to do that, and Yager pretty much fits into that because he knows. I mean, I, I, and I've said it. And I've been a little critical about Yager because he just he's. He, he he takes his own he guys was, out. Of, he takes his own guys out of the play sometimes. He was lagging a little bit in the sense that he was getting great opportunities and not cashing in on them in the Rangers series. I think that he's been playing a lot better this series because that being in Pittsburgh has like really brought out the competitor in him. I, uh, well, I also yeah, and I also think that he's not. I think maybe Claude Julian and maybe talked to him or something like that and said, "Hey, don't worry about scoring." You know what I mean? And I think that maybe that might have calmed him down a little bit because he it seemed like he was very very concerned about getting that goal and he was always mad at himself. And I think maybe he's accepted the role a little bit better now by, you know, accepting the fact, you know what, hey, if I don't score, it doesn't matter as long as the team wins. You know what I mean? I think maybe now he's finally got got it fully, you know? Do you know what I mean? Yes. I, I, I think that he – understands his role. I think that only good things are going to come of him. I think that I was really impressed with this game. I really was. Game three, I think that he was one of the best players on the on the Bruins side. I really Absolutely. do. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I think that if we're going to talk about great guys for the Bruins right now, we got to go through the stat line a little bit. And yep. can we just agree that David Krejci, even though – and 
Lumiel and Lucic, even though they weren't great in the, you know, regular season, season. Yeah. Like, I mean, Nathan Horton too. They're, you, all, they're that, just, whole, that that first line right there, you can totally put that all together. Them, all three of those guys together, because they they are playoff players. And Nathan, and it, Nathan Horton has five points in this series, which is, you know, he's got two goals, three assists, and David Krejci's got four goals in this series. And just in this series, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's you know, they're playing at a great level. Um, it's it's almost, I mean, listen, coming in, the, I'm just, I'm going to throw this out there hypothetically because I don't, you know, I don't want to go ahead and jinx with my Bruins or anything. If they go ahead and sweep tonight, the team that might be facing, whether it be the LA Kings or the Chicago Blackhawks, they need to be looking at them and being like, wow, you know, we better watch out for these guys. Because obviously we've talked about it many times. The Bruins have a, an opportunity to roll four lines. You know, the third line might not be as, you know, good at this moment. And the fourth line is without Gregory Campbell. Yeah, that's, well, that is a huge loss. I mean, and like I said, I want to. I'll get to that point in a second. But uh, you know, the Bruins opposing teams need to watch out for these guys, and they don't. I don't think they give them enough credit. No, I absolutely agree with you. I think that we have so much depth, and I think that although during the regular season we weren't getting the production that we would have liked, like they just become possessed in the playoffs. I don't know what it is. Because, yeah, it's exactly because exactly. Krejci is is on another level. He's you know outplaying the top you know two of the best players in the world right now, in, in my honest opinion. And um, you know he's got nine goals and twelve assists in the series. He's got twenty one points. He's leading the playoffs in points. Right. And uh, you know his line is playing well. And the first line you see Marshawn and Bergeron clicking constantly. It's 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 scary. But I think that right now our scariest player might be Tuka Rask. I was I was about to ask you, and we'll probably get into a little bit of a debate here. Um, yes, I love this debate. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Anybody that's listening, you gotta you gotta tell me, Tim Thomas or Tuka Grask? Who? Tim is Thomas. The better? 2011 Tim Thomas or yes, Tuka 2011, Rask? Yes. 2011 right Tim Thomas or Tuka Rask right now? Who is the better goalie? I think that right now. I mean, we'll, we'll see because Thomas got the Smythe, he got the Vezda, he got the Stanley Cup, he got the trifecta right there, and that's okay. like you're not going to be able to. But playing, you know, we'll have to see how Tuca does, you know, in the finals because they're going to make it to the finals. But Tim Thomas, you know, that was an insane, um, that was an insane playoff when he when he just kind of carried him for the through the last two, I mean, last two series, I think. Yeah, and um. You know, those incredible acrobatic saves, you know, the one on Steve Downey where he's, like, reaching out with his paddle, like, that could have been, you know, it's incredible because Tim Thomas will, and we, there's still hardcore Tim Thomas fans who, like, miss the days of Tim Thomas in Boston, but, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that right now, Tuca, his stats are actually better than Tim Thomas's. Right now, Tuka Rask has a not .94 save percentage, a 1.88 goals against right. so far in the playoffs. At this point, so far in the playoffs for Tim Thomas in 2011, 
He had a .932 save percentage and a 2.28 goals against average, and they are facing relatively the same amount of shots per game. So I think at Tuka Rask, I don't know what is – I don't know because, you know, we all saw game four against New York Rangers when he was letting in the softest goals I've ever seen. Right. But right now it's like his concentration and his, like, work ethic well, is just unbelievable. He's like – there's, there's two there's two ways to kind of look at that, and one of them, let's face it, Tuga Rasas, he, he's going to be a restricted free agent after the season, so obviously he's playing for some money. There's no doubt about that. Well, I don't think that's his number one. I think he's playing to win right now. Oh, he, well, no, I mean, I'm not saying that that's his number one priority, but he's definitely proving to be on that elite goalie status at this point. You know, I think that the fact, and we're going to go, I mean, we talked about this on one of our podcast shows, like, he was snubbed from, you know, in the Vesna, the Vesna yeah. and and over you know, over Hendrick Lundqvist, you know, what I mean? and, and Hendrick Lundqvist, like you know, wasn't they had very similar statistics, and he outdueled Hendrick Lundqvist. He did absolutely. I, I mean, and I'm me personally, I'm saying Thomas is still the better, better goalie at this point. At this point, it, and, and and only because of the fact that Tuka Rask, he's He's still – I mean, I, I will go back to game four against the Rangers. It seems that the – he's still a little shaky. And I, I mean I, – Yeah, but then again, if you look at, you know, the Vancouver series, I, I forget which game it was, but Tim Timmy went way out for an overtime goal, and it was like 20 seconds in, and Alexander Burroughs just buried one. Like, they're they – I, I mean, I fully agree. I'm not saying – I mean, it, it's tough to kind of compare the two. I mean – in, in all honesty, completely different styles, completely different demeanors. Absolutely, of, absolutely. I Timmy, mean, Tim Thomas is a lot more aggressive, a um, lot more acrobatic. Yeah, right. Just, you know, he was all over the place. You know, um, you know, all over the place, just making acrobatic saves. You know, meeting players out on the top of his crease, just trying to be aggressive. And Tuka I, acts, acts, ooh, asks. So, <laughs> like, oh. Acts, oh my goodness, so nonchalant in his play. He just he, like, is, he saves well, the most energy that he possibly can. It makes it look so easy that you know it's like, oh, that was a great save. But I mean, know. I'm not I'm not gonna sit there and say. I mean, I will never compare the personalities <laughs> of these two guys. Oh my god, let's not even go down there. I can't. Yeah, do well, I mean, like I said, it's it's night and day with the two. Um, obviously, I just I'm just not ready to give ta- uh, Rask that just yet. If, I mean, if he if he goes ahead and wins us a cup, then I'll give it to him all day because he's he's de- I mean he's totally proven everybody wrong. He's taken the starting role and he's running with it. So I'm not I'm not downing his skills or anything. I'm just I'm just saying that until he reaches that next level, then I'll go ahead and give him that prize. He's gonna be on that big stage, man. And you know if it's, it if it's the Blackhawks, which I think that it's going to be. Right, a similar team or the Blackhawks, who are a similar team in the way they play to Pittsburgh. They're a little grittier, mm-hmm. but they they play with a lot of offensive, you know, explosiveness. Yeah, I, I, I said it at the beginning of the year that I thought it was going to be Blackhawks Bruins. I thought Cubs. I thought it was going to be the Rangers in the Wild. It shows what little I know, but um, <laughs> well, I'm no expert, so. But uh, you know. I think that's a very interesting question. Who would you rather have right now, Rask or Thomas? I believe that you know. They have very similar numbers. They they play very different styles. They're both, you know, in the – they were – you know, Tim Thomas was, and Tuka Rask is currently in the zone right now. So Yeah. Yeah. And, so, I mean, I'll have to see – you know, like I said, if they go ahead and make it to the next round, I will have to see how uh, Tuka Rask handles that 
type of pressure. It's a little bit more of a pressure than to actually get into the Stanley Cup. I, it's just, uh, I mean, it's just a little too early to tell, you know? All right, but I mean, I, you know, Tugarask playing unbelievably right now. So oh, I, you know, like in, I said, in the zone, I, 53 saves against the Penguins is no. Yeah, 53. Pass. I know. I like I said, I'm not. I'm not doubting him. I mean, obviously he's playing. He's standing on his head at the moment. It'll but. be ultimately determined by who wins the cup. I mean, you know, if we win the cup, then Tuka versus Timmy that becomes a very interesting question. But um, right, right, right. I, I want. Oh, go ahead. I Sorry. want to talk about um, this this Gregory Campbell. Thing. Okay, so you're going to go into what I was about to say. I actually, I mean, I'm going to cut you off real quick because I actually want to read something that a Pittsburgh Penguin blog site wrote about Gregory Campbell. And I have to tell you, it is absolutely the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And to actually wish this on someone is just is just stupid. So I'm going to go ahead and read this real quick. Um, he looked pathetic. It was hilarious. What wasn't hilarious was Malkin not shooting at his face. Pens couldn't capitalize on the Bruins fans cheered Campbell for some reason. Turns out that Campbell broke his leg, which LOL, 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 he sucks. Now, like, first of all, this guy's got the, the riding skills of like a sixth grader. So I want to, this is, by the way, the pensblog.com. For those of you who didn't see the story, this, this Penguin's, blog wrote this article about how they thought it was well they thought they wrote a game a blog about game three but right and, and that to it was to sit there and, and and take like a personal like saying that they should have shot uh, excuse me shot the puck at his face like he's a human being he's a hockey player that he was he was lying out for his team you know what i mean and the fact that they can sit there and say that it just it just really puts a a dent in the way I feel about Pittsburgh Penguin fans because that it it's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's angering. It absolutely it's very is. angering. And it's it's um I know that um our good friends Jonathan Ragus and Michael McShay they, they talked about this on their show uh a couple of days ago talking about how fans take things a little too seriously. I mean the guy was playing the guy was playing his heart out for this team and the fans appreciated it. What more what more could you say? I think that yeah. one of the things that they also wrote in that article was that, that he looked dead and it was funny, which is yeah. like the dude played on a broken in, fibula for for a minute. Like Exactly. That, are you kidding me? That that all right, maybe you know, you know, let's let's talk about people who look funny when they're on on the ground. Sidney Crosby in two thousand nine was voted by fifty two percent of the players in the league, fifty two percent of all players in the league thought that he was Probably the whiniest any- player. And probably that included some of his own teammates. I'm gonna go ahead and stop you real quick, uh, Scott. Uh, we got a we got a phone call, so I'm gonna go ahead and take this real quick, okay? Yeah, sure. Okay. Hey Hello, guys, Mike, Talk Radio. Hey, Mike, how, how, how you doing, doing? tonight, guys? How we doing? Hey, doing hey, good. Listen, great show, great show. And a couple of things I want to weigh on real weigh in on real quick. Uh, you're talking about Tuka Rask. Uh, I had a quick question for you. You had mentioned Absolutely. that he was uh, or he is going to be. A free agent, is that correct? Yeah, uh, he's going to be a restricted free agent. Yep. Oh, okay, restricted. All right. Uh, yeah. Yep. So the Bruins, the Bruins actually hold the rights to him at this moment. So. All right. Now you don't see that there's going to be any issue there. I mean, obviously the guy's coming back as your goaltender next year, right? I mean, yeah. This is absolutely. Yeah. I. 
there's there's no doubt in my mind that the Bruins are going to resign him. I think the biggest the biggest thing is is um, for how much years, maybe about five or six. Uh, but the money they're going to be a little tight in the the cap space this year, so we'll have to see where they got to fit him in. But the guy's yeah. been absolutely lights out for you guys in this, particularly in this series. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. I frankly I, I can't see a comparison to Ian Thomas, so therefore. I got to go with Rask. That's just where I'm coming from on it. Uh, and that's as an outsider looking in on the whole situation. With regard to that block site, that's a disgrace. You know that what? is Absolutely. a disgrace. Absolutely. Is, I don't. I, listen. I don't give a damn what your fandom is. That is outrageous. And you know they always want to point fingers at my fan base here in Philadelphia and say how bad we are. And that yet that kind of thing always seems to get overlooked. But. Exactly. This, is, this is a very popular blog that is on Facebook, that's on Twitter, that people, uh, that a lot of Penguins fans. And when I when the when the blog post first got shot out on Facebook, I was reading the comments and people were agreeing with this guy, and I was like, oh my goodness gracious, this yeah, is yeah. It's I mean, this like like I like I stated before, to wish harm on someone, to wish death on someone. I mean, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. It, there's no place in sports or life for anything like that. So it just it just really it really really upsets me that that they would even consider writing something like that and letting it be out there. But if, well, if consider, this happens, consider what they've got up there. They've got Sidney Crosby to compare it to, huh? You think he's <laughs> yeah, doing I that mean, one seriously? Yeah, gold medalist Olympic di- Olympic diver. Yeah, that's yeah. the one right there, Cindy. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, if if this happens, that's where he ought to be. <laughs> if, if this had happened to a Penguins player on our ice. I would have the uh, – and he got on his feet and, and played out the penalty kill because he didn't want his team to be down five on three, and he was, you know, doing what he could. I would have I would have got out of my seat and applauded. And I'm, just, yeah, like, I'm, not, I'm not just saying that because I'm on the air. I'm saying that because I can respect an outstanding hockey player when I see one. Yeah. And if I saw someone do that, I'd have nothing but the utmost respect, respect. for him. I would be saying yeah. that he looked dead and it was funny. That's just exactly. completely mind-boggling to me that someone would go out of their way and say – this guy got hurt, and I thought it was hilarious. You know, if I saw a guy get hurt and got up on his leg, and he was trying his hardest to still contribute and help his team, like how could you? How could you? How could you be upset at, or, or <laughs> target that particular person? It just—it's mind-boggling to me. It's, it is. I, I mean, and I went ahead and uh, you brought it to my attention, so I went ahead and tweeted it out today. And you know, in my eyes, I think. I mean, maybe. Maybe the Pittsburgh fans or maybe this gentleman that went ahead, I'm not going to name names or whatever because I don't know his name. I don't care. Maybe he looks at it as, wow, I really wish maybe someone on our Pittsburgh team would go ahead and give that kind of guts and glory. So I'm going to go ahead and down him for doing that. You know what I mean? Like maybe he's looking at it in a negative, negative perspective as opposed to being like, wow, look what he did. I wish someone on our team would, would be that gutsy. You, do you know how what I'm saying? Any, how can any fan base look at that? And, and and try to draw a negative to it. I don't give a damn exactly. what your what your team composite is made of. I don't care what you've got on your team. You, it, it, as you just pointed out, you you get up and you stand up and you applaud that. That is exactly. a blue collar mentality that we love. Uh, as you guys love up in Boston, we love down here in Philadelphia. I'm going to let it's, you guys go. You're doing a great job. Wonderful program tonight. I am truly truly enjoying it. Thank you, right, Mike. Appreciate Mike. that. All right, you got it, man. Have a good yeah, one. Take it easy. You know, people were comparing that to the Kurt Schilling bloody sock, and 
you know, I think this was, you know, it's it it's could be, in, it's it be a turning point. Like honestly, it could be a. I mean, we saw it. The 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 Bruins team, the players, they were very amped up about it. They saw how much he gave to the team, and they respected that, and they went ahead and and you know they won him the game. To be honest with you. Um, yeah, they, they said they said that they're playing for him, and you know, you know, good for you, them. I mean, what more reason do they need to play for? When you got you know? Crosby on your team, who and I'm not being biased when I say this, he was voted by players as yeah. The, if the, the stats uh, are out there, you can Google him. The wise player, you know, this is the guy who who went after Alex Ovechkin scored a hat trick in in the playoffs in 2009. He asked the ref to make an announcement to please stop throwing hats because it hurt his feelings. <laughs> um, you know, this is that guy. And you're going to go out and say that Gregory Campbell looks funny and it was funny that he's hurt and he's trying to play his heart out? That's just, I don't know. If there's – something's wrong there. I don't know. You know I've, a, said it, I've said it many, many times, and and I'll say, I'll say it many more times. If you want to go ahead and, and haze someone a little bit, tease them about their team, that's fine. A little bit of hazing is not a big deal. You know, it, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you take it to a level – of you demanding or wanting physical harm on either the the fan or the you know the player then then it's absolutely ridiculous like how could someone take something that serious you know it it, it it's just it just it's unfathomable to me it just re, it's just it's just ridiculous i i I have absolutely no time or patience for stuff like that. No, when I saw it this morning, I was just in shock. But you know, and and something else about Gregory Campbell. I mean, of course, he's he's a he's a player on the Merlot line. He is an energy player. <laughs> he will do whatever Claude Julien asks him to do. And he's always and we've we've been talking about the Merlot line, um, you know, for for yeah. a while now because they've been Very you know time. part of the yeah. difference makers. In this postseason, he has three goals, four assists, and is is a plus seven. And you know that that ain't half bad for anyone in the playoffs. Not let alone no. a guy who's averaging. Well, you, you know, could see you could see the difference that our fourth line had against the Rangers. You know they dominated the Rangers when they were out there. So it, it's a very big piece to fill. Um, and I know tonight, obviously, you know he's out for the playoffs now. Um, and they had you know they did a couple line changes. I'm, uh, I'm going to go ahead and let Scott tell you who, what the line changes are at the moment. Um, you know, for their replacement and stuff. Yeah, so I mean, they, they're bringing in Casper Dogovins, who they they acquired from the Ottawa Senators. He's that guy. If you don't remember, he oh, the trick shot, that right? Funky shootout trick with the flipping his stick or whatever. And I thought it was hilarious that we went out and got him right after that. But um, yeah, I know, I did <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah, but he's going to be in the lineup tonight, and he's going to be skating on a line with Tyler Sagan and Rich Peverly. He hasn't played since Game One of the Eastern Conference quarterfinals against Toronto, and um, Chris Kelly, who is usually centering that line with Tyler Sagan and Rich Peverly, is bump, getting bumped down. So I would imagine that. Tyler Sagan and, and Dogovan will be on the the wings, and Rich Peverly will be centering that line, which yeah. is interesting. But um, you know, according to Claude Julian, per Nesson, you know, he says he's a gritty player. He's strong on the puck, strong as an individual. He can shoot the puck. He's got a lot of good qualities. And uh, in in eight games for the Bruins, he has a goal and three assists. So that's not terrible. You know, he's 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 produ- producing at a fairly decent rate for a third fourth line player, and. He's gonna. I think that he's gonna be good at, at filling this void. I think that, you know, ideally we we'd want Campbell to stay in there because our forward lines were, you know, fantastic 
Um, right. uh, you know, uh, hold that hold that thought real quick there, Scott. We got another phone call, um, and I wonder if I had to answer that. All right. Sure. Okay. okay. Hello, you're on Sports Talk Radio. Oh, excuse me, Sports hey, Talk Radio. I've been having a lot. Of, I've been having trouble with my personal. Is, is my number coming up blocked, or is it showing a number? Because I don't know. Everyone it's, keeps saying my number comes up as blocked. It's showing it's, up one 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 one. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't know why it's doing that. It's like been weird with people. But anyway, I'll get to my point. I, I mm-hmm. think at this point the uh, it, it, I think the Bruins are on. The, I don't think Chicago has a chance to finals if they make it. I, I mean, that's pretty my point. I just want to get your thoughts on that. That yeah. Chicago doesn't have a doesn't have a chance. No, I really don't think. I think Boston, especially if they uh, if they sweep the series, it's, I don't know. I, I I feel like they are not. I feel like they are going to beat the, the Blackhawks. Uh, I'm not saying Chicago doesn't have a chance, but I. I would have to think Boston's the favorite. I don't know. Do yeah, I would. I would agree with you on that. Yeah. I think that uh, you know, if you look at the Penguins and the Chicago Blackhawks, they they play pretty similar games where they're both pretty oh, they're up front. Off, yeah, they're very. Oh, off-front. shut the fuck up! Oh. Well, we apologize for that. That guy was clearly a troll, and we're sorry. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> But to answer his question, and I'm going to excuse the uh, blatant swearing. Um, no, I think that, that I think that he's right, and I don't care if he was, you know, just trolling was, or whatever. Honestly, but, um, he was probably just a disgruntled Pittsburgh fan, so it's fine. I heard a little Boston twang in there, so I'm not sure. But um, <laughs> you know, I think that you know the Bruins will at this point, if they can beat the Penguins, they can beat anyone in the NHL, and that's what yeah. I'm going to leave it as. So yeah, we'll leave it at that. If if you know if if LA can draw out the series then and and Chicago gets tired and the and the Bruins can end this tonight then it's going to be I think you saw how the Bruins do on uh you know a week of rest and they right. come out with this performance and you know if we have rest and it, it will be interesting I think that we will definitely have you know Chicago will be the likely Western Conference candidate I think for the Stanley Cup final and I think that we're going to have a, a a good job we're going to do a good job at uh, playing against them yeah I fully agree. Um... Get the brooms out, guys. I think that it's time for the sweep. I honestly, honestly do. As long as Rask stays hot, we're going to win. In almost 11 full periods of play, he has a .98 save percentage with only two goals allowed in this series. He has 108 saves on 110 shots, and this is against the best offense in the NHL. So, I mean, you know, going back to this whatever guy, regardless, he's, he's you know, he's the best He's, 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 at, he's, at he's best the right best now. goalie. Yeah, I was gonna say he's the best goalie um, in the playoffs at the moment. Um, there's no doubt about that. I, I still, I mean, we'll we'll have to wait and see how they do tonight. Um, obviously, we have got about ten minutes left before the puck drops, and obviously ten minutes left of the show. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see how he kind of does tonight, just because of the, um, just because the way he was last. Game four, where they could have taken the sweep from you know the New York Rangers. Yeah, that's a really good point. Actually, it's a really good point. Um, you know, because there was a lot on the line. They could have swept. Obviously, they took it in five. But you know, I'll have to wait to see how you know when he if he starts facing some shots early, and he looks a little bit more comfortable. Then I'll say, you know what, I, he might have it tonight. And I I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, he's as good as he has been the entire series right now. And I think that, you know, if you look at, you know, they're big offensive players who are, we're, we're getting matchups, you know, we're putting Malkin up against, uh, you know, we're putting Bergeron up, up against uh, Sidney Crosby, Crosby and, yep. and limiting, 
you know, his stuff, and we're and we're putting up Big Z against Malkin in that line, and you know, even though they added Matt Cook to that line to kind of protect him, like, you know, in this series, you know, he's Crosby is minus five. I think Malkin is also minus four or five. They both have no points. Um, so, you know, and and Tuca is definitely feeding off the energy and the support that his defense is giving him because he is playing lights out. He is bailing them out of, of situations and, you know, the pucks, the, the, the bounces are going the Bruins way. And I think that, you know, I think that we're at this point posed, poised to take the series. I really think that tonight yeah. we have a very good chance of sweeping because nothing has shown me otherwise that, you know, we saw the best of the Penguins on game three, I think. And, you know, if they can't get out, come out with more energy or, or more, you know, I mean, how much more could you ask than 53 shots, you know? Right. So, I, I mean, it, it's – I think, honestly, I mean, like I said, if Tuka Rask faced some shots tonight, he feels pretty comfortable, then I'll go ahead and I will I will say that you know Claude Julien probably pulled him aside and said, listen, this is a big game for us. You know, we're looking towards you. Because you know what? In all honesty, it comes down to the goalie at the end. And if he can be as calm and collected as he has been, then nothing is going to rattle him. And, and you know – Talking yeah. about talking about goaltenders, you know Thomas Tomas Bokun, who came in here, uh, you know, with who was playing like lights out for the Penguins after you know Mark Andre Fleury had some struggles. Like he's been letting in goals left and right. He let he let in three in game one, let in three in game two. He let in two last night, and you know, and he's not coming up with the big saves when it matters. And Tuka is, and that's kind of the difference. And Fleury is a head case. That guy is so. Yeah, yeah, he, it's, he, it's, it's in his head. He can't like. Well, you saw a, it. You saw it in game uh, game two. You know what I mean? Uh, Tom, that last uh, Johnny Boychuk goal, like he didn't even try. Like yeah, he didn't. He didn't. And uh, the thing is, is you know Thomas Bokun, he gave up three goals. Mark on Fleury comes in and he gives up three goals. So but the like, three goals against Fleury were like ones that he should have, like a couple that he should have had. Like absolutely. And I, I fully agree. And that's where you can see that they're. He's very, you know, he he's coming into a situation where his team was already down one game, and you know he's supposed to be the star. He comes in and you know he just kind of he does a Roberto Luongo and kind of goes, Ooh, you know. Yeah, the guys, the guys actually like a head case at this point. I think that he's, you know, it's going to be a big question for them in the off season, which I think is coming later tonight. Um, what they do <laughs> with what they do with this guy because. You know, he plays great during the season, and, you know, this happens. And, you know, we saw, I mean, in 2011, I think, or 2000, or last year, and Mike, you can help me out on this, when he was up against Philly, and there was like, yes. It was like, let's see who's five holes bigger, Brizgalov's or Marc Andre Fleury's. Like, and there were goals was, everywhere. Ever since then, he hasn't quite been the same, I don't think. I honestly don't think he's been, like, you know, as good as he should have been. This is a guy who went number one overall in the draft. He could be, no. I mean, he could be one of those uh, players that, and, I, and I'm not actually categorizing him as that, but he could be one of those players that actually plays really well during the season and then for some reason can't perform in the playoffs. I just think he's in trouble right now. I think if he didn't have his offense to bail him out half the time, he wouldn't be half as good as people think he is. I honestly well, I believe I, that. I, I can kind of I can kind of use that along the same lines as Henry Lundqvist too. You know what I mean? If you look at the if you look at the win loss record. Um, he's 
won more games because he played more time than Tuka Rask. Yeah, but I'm not going to touch Henrik Lundqvist. That guy, you know, they don't call him the, you know, we can talk about the playoffs all we want, but that dude, he is a beast goaltender. I'm not going to take anything. No, I'm not saying, I'm not saying he's not. I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm just, I'm just making the point that, you know, his, his demeanor, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just one of those things where Mark and Fleury, he just, you know, he could be one of those players that just is not very good in the uh, in the playoffs. And and it, it. I mean, the guy did win a cup, though. So that's the thing. Like, it's it's night and day with this guy. That's what's so confusing for the and the Penguins fans must be like, where did this number one overall pick go? Because he won a cup with them in 2009, and then you know, the past two playoff runs they've had, it's like, again, let's see who's five holes bigger. Like, let's have a competition. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's interesting, and uh, you know, tonight it's going to be. A real good game. Game four tonight. I think the Bruins are going to close it out. I think they they got everything going for them right now. They have the most one of the more emotional wins in double overtime. Patrice Bergeron come up with the late game heroics again, and uh, you know I think that at this point that was probably the 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 most emotional emotionally invested that the Penguins had been in a game. And uh, yeah. you know I think that so, I think that it's going to be a I think that that was the best we're going to see. And I think that if we can beat it, then we can beat it now. So do you think? Let me let me ask you a couple questions. Do you think one? What is what is your prediction for the score? Two. Oh. What do you think? Do you think that the Penguins are going to come out with like guns blazing? They're just gonna they're gonna attack, 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 like kind of like they did in uh, you know game three? Or you know, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's going to be a three to one Bruins win. I think that they're going to come out with guns blazing because they are an utter desperation mode right now. They're right now playing for job security. They're playing for being one of the best teams to be constructed for a Stanley Cup. You know, you take an Aginla, Brandon Morrow, you you get all these acquisitions, and then you don't win a cup. Like, they're designed to build a cup now. And if they, I mean, win a cup now. And if they can't win a cup now, that's like, you know, is it Dan Bilesma? Is it, you know, the players? What's going on? So they're playing for a lot right now. They're going to come out with the most, you know, you know, utter desperation play that they need to, to in order to try to salvage a win. But I think that Rask is going to be up for the challenge. I think it's going to be three uh, one. The Bruins. I think it's going to end the series. Okay. I, I mean, I, I I do like I like that prediction obviously because I want to see the sweep. Um, I'm definitely thinking. I'm going to say I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to say four to two. That, that's, it's that's gonna be one pick. of those games where we're gonna have a nice comfortable because once we get the lead, if we get the first goal and we can maintain the lead, then we're not gonna lose it. That's 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 the simple truth of what this series has been like. And since you know Game Seven in Toronto, that's how the Bruins have been playing. And you can't like once they have a lead, it's like that's it. You know we we won. I agree. All right, guys. Um, probably got about a minute and a half left of the show. I want to go ahead and uh, do a quick shout out. Um, I want to give a shout out to my boy Peter Daly. Uh, hanging out at home. I hope he's listening. Uh, I love you, kid. Uh, and I also want to give a shout out to some Twitter followers, real quick. Uh, pro, uh, pro Sports Chick, um, obviously uh, at FanJunkies.net and at Beer Blooney because he's the man. That's uh, me. That's you. Uh, who do you want to give a shout out to, real quick? I want to give a shout out to every single disgruntled Penguins fan. And I hope that the guy who called earlier was a disgruntled Penguins fan. And I'm just going to go ahead and say that, you know, if you can't take it, you know, I'm sorry that you've got to call up radio shows and try to ruin them or whatever. But, like, we won, and we're going to the Cup, and that's pretty much all I can say to you. So all right, I there's, like my, there's my shout-out to disgruntled Penguins fans, and, you know, enjoy your summer golfing. 
Okay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. I appreciate it. I know Scott appreciates it. Um, look for us on Twitter at Sports Blogger. Find us on Facebook. Like us. Um, tune in to Fan Junkies Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 12 o'clock. And tune in to Five Minutes at the Frat House tomorrow at 1 o'clock with our good friend Michael McShay. He's going to be live and direct. Uh, so thank you so much, guys.